ARE Study Guide Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the ARE Study Guide Podcast. In this episode, I am going to do something different. I am going to interview someone with a lot of project management experience, my husband, Connor. He is a licensed architect who has almost 20 years of experience working in architecture, and for about half of that time, he's worked as a project manager. A really cool project he recently got to work on was being the project manager for the AIA's National Headquarters Renovation, which is now in construction. Recently, he transitioned, and he's now working for a contractor that focuses on design-build. So he is a great person to interview, not just because it's really convenient for me, but because he has experience working for different types of firms using different project delivery methods. This is a really good overview of what it means to be a project manager. And as you may recall in a previous episode... Um, I said I was pregnant and now we have our adorable baby who is two months old. And so we did this interview while the baby was sitting behind us and didn't realize until afterwards that, um, his little coos actually came in through the recording. So apologies that you will hear his little baby noises in the background, but hopefully that won't distract you from the conversation. And we hope you find this helpful. All right, let's dive in. All right, so first off, what does a project manager do? Uh, Well, a project manager does a lot of things. Uh, They have to wear a lot of hats. They take on a lot of different roles and responsibilities throughout a project. But fundamentally, it all boils down to managing the risk on the project and then that is the primary role that drives all of those other tasks and responsibilities. Specifically, the project manager has to organize the project, set the schedule, uh, validate the work plan, help to run the meetings, but really it's all about keeping an eye out on risk as a project unfolds and ultimately driving home that goal of delivering a project on time and on budget. The project manager is also usually responsible for administrating the contract with the owner and with the design consultants and managing the fees uh, as, the, as the project develops. You deliver uh, a fee estimate at the beginning, and that's what you have to track towards. So there's also that monetary component, which is a contractual component. So often the project manager is the one signing off on the certificates for payment from the owner and then also payment to the rest of the design team and the consultants. So sort of standing at that fulcrum financially uh, between the owner paying for the project and all of that uh, design fee that then flows through to the entire design team. So that's really interesting. I have never associated a project manager as the manager of risk. Um, Can you talk more about the kinds of risk? Well, time is money, as any owner knows. So if you're not getting decisions in a timely manner, or if, let's say, you're working on a renovation and unforeseen circumstance comes up, these are things that throw your timeline, your budget uh, into peril. Those those are risks. Uh, Same with anything that could be happening internally. Uh, You've just lost 
a couple of people have been poached by another firm, and now your work plan's in jeopardy. So you're in this constant ebb and flow of certainty and uncertainty on a project, and anything that you haven't accounted for or anything unpredictable uh, provides a risk to that project. Uh, and, and in particular, the way that the industry's trending, owners want things faster, cheaper. Often your fees are super tight, your schedule's super tight, and that also comes with additional risk that basically any little thing goes wrong or somebody needs a little bit more time for whatever reason or somebody needs a little bit more money for whatever reason, these are all risks that ultimately jeopardize uh, what I got to as the main goal of the project, which is delivering on time and on budget. So you're managing all the risks against that. Can you talk about the process for tracking fees? Yeah, I think it, it really goes hand in hand with your work plan, with your schedule, with your contracts. So everybody does their best guess, sadly. Um, it's informed by experience, right? At, at the very beginning, uh, when you put together your projections and you say, this is how long it's going to take, this is how much it's going to cost for all of the people that are working on it. But it's also those ebbs and flows. So as the work progresses, you're checking against percentage of complete, both for a document set and then ultimately for construction. And then you're validating, okay, we put it, we put in how much time. Uh, you've got all kinds of software tools that tell you through your time cards exactly how much time people are coming in. But that, that's really crucial because you're always looking at the trends. You're always saying, oh, either we're doing great, we did a lot more uh, at this point in the project than, than we thought we would have done, so we've got some extra fee, and um, maybe that can go to other aspects of the project or other consultants that were held back as alternates, or you're starting to fall behind, in which case you have to tighten the screws to say we really have to focus on the work. We don't have time for more superfluous meetings or design studies because ultimately, whether it's your firm, whether it's your own practice, your profitability is at risk as well. So you're making sure that you're not spending more than you're making, and that requires sort of constant tending, uh, checking in with the people doing the work week to week, looking at what the time that they're spending on their time cards, making sure that the time spent uh, aligns with what was projected. And newsflash, it's never a perfect alignment. So you always have to make these little adjustments. I heard this analogy once from a, a lean construction expert uh, who said that when you start a project, it's like taking off on a cross-country flight. And the flight navigation computer has everything all mapped out. Here's how we're going to get from San Francisco to New York. Here's about how much time it's going to take. Here's the route we're going to take to avoid these storms over the Midwest but you never execute that plan perfectly. It's the, it's the airplane's computer's responsibility to make little micro-adjustments for little winds that come in here or there, how weather patterns shift. And when that plane touches down, it's, sometimes it's exactly when it thought it would. Sometimes it's ahead. Sometimes it's behind. But the key is that it's making those tiny little adjustments without you know, throwing everybody into turbulence or chaos or having to make a stop down somewhere. Um, all, all of those little modifications are key along the way. And it's, it's hopefully not the same with fees, but there is a reason why you see so much, um, particularly with the AREs, about 
what's unforeseen, what are going to require additional services, or, or what don't, what are you not required for um, in, in, in the aspects of what were your responsibilities. So tracking the fees and doing it through the appropriate contracts, I know is, is just, it is a super important part of project management, I think, because it's related to the firm ownership piece of it. That's why it's given so much credence on the ARE exams. What's the difference between the project schedule and the project work plan? It's a great, it's a great question because the, the two go hand in hand and often inform one another. Uh, typically, you do start with the project schedule. Uh, what are the owner's goals based on your experience? How much time is it going to take your team? Consultant handoffs. Talk to contractors. How long is it going to take to build these pieces? Or do you have multiple phases? How much time are, are those going to take? So you look at the overall life of the project. That's the project schedule. And to break it down, that's how you add milestones. That's how you add phases. Uh, you speak in terms of longer durations to say, this is how long programming is going to take, schematic design, design development, construction documents, and construction. And um, you make sure that the owner's on board with that or that it's in line with what they've envisioned. Okay, yeah, I, I get that I'm starting from scratch and that this whole thing's going to take a couple of years. So you, But you validate that. Um, that's the overall project schedule. You also think about your process. You think about how involved does this owner want to be? How many milestone reviews is it going to take? Uh, potentially as the work progresses that you're checking in with them, making sure they like what you're doing. Um, that all goes into the project schedule and that's all independent of the actual work. But the work plan is how are you actually going to do that? How many people do you have? So when you stick your neck out and say, yeah, I can complete schematic design in a month. Well, is that because you got some extra people that can work on it? Because depending on the size of the project, that could be a little bit aggressive. So you need to know what your resources are. And the work plan is all about the resources. It's uh, another big lean construction phrase is planning the work and then working the plan. So you've got your people you set them up who's full-time, who's half-time, how many hours are going into this. And this is where I think there's a blurred line between what the project manager does and what the project architect does. And it's been, it's been different at a lot of the, the different firms that I've worked at because the project architect and often the job captains might be the one shouldering a lot more of the drafting responsibility, the coordination responsibility. So they have to be just as involved as the project manager in the work plan to say, I got to have two weeks just heads down to work on that. And then I know my consultant's going to take my background and he's going to need a couple of weeks. So you think about your coordination cycles in the work plan. You think about who's available. Ultimately, there are a lot of different ways to do this. Um, calculating out how much money it's going to cost back to fee as far as the full-time, half-time employees uh, so they are all connected, but I think at a high level, that's the difference between the two. You think of the project schedule in terms of phases and milestones. You think of the work plan in terms of almost like week to week and how those phases and milestones are going to be supported from a resource perspective. So I know as a project manager, meetings are a big part of your job. Okay. What is your role during a project meeting? It definitely depends on the nature of the meeting and 
if you are ultimately the focal point for the owner and you're answering to the owner and you're, you're running a meeting that involves the owner and a contractor, uh, you might need to do a little bit more because you've got that responsibility as a project manager for a little bit more client care. So you might be the one to present a bit more. Uh, but you know, ultimately, even if whether you're in front of an owner, whether you're just meeting with your design team, sort of the, the externally or internal meetings, uh, respectively, I really think you want to be an MC. You want to be the organizer. Most likely you sent the meeting invite. You issued an agenda ahead of time to tell everybody what they're going to talk about and when. Uh, you're trying to drive efficiency in those meetings and you're trying to uh, administrate the overall structure to see that it goes smoothly, that you talk about everything you wanted to talk about in the time allocated, that the people who needed to be there were there, that the people who didn't necessarily need to be there. I kind of have this personal rule that everybody should have at least something to speak of, or if someone's just sitting in there on a meeting, then we were clear. You were just here to listen in and you should be working on other things on the side and that's okay. But it's ultimately about setting everyone's expectations for the meeting and then delivering. So often it's good practice to go around the table and make sure that everyone puts out their goals for the meeting. But, you know, as that MC, as that leader, it's really a facilitator role. You're the one making sure that it tracks. And then I think knowing when to get out of the way. You know, you, you can ask questions, of course, because you're the one who's keeping an eye on schedule and fee and, and all of those things. But this is about the other team members. This is about the subject matter experts. This is about the people doing the bulk of the work and facilitating their coordination or them reporting out. I think one of the worst things that a project manager can do is just jump in and try to present everything. Because ultimately, they, they don't actually know uh, how certain decisions or, or design developed or, or was made. This just gets back to the idea of a project manager being a Swiss Army knife where you, you, you know a little bit. But uh, nothing breeds resentment more, I think, than having somebody speak for design work that they didn't do themselves. So it's really important in meetings to give credit to those who did the work, those who've been responsible for pieces of it. Um, so I, I think that's another piece of, of how you should approach a meeting as a project manager. I, this is probably not on the ARE, but I can just tell you from my experience, celebrating success is big and making sure that um, people who are contributing feel acknowledged for their efforts and don't feel like credit for their work is, is, is being hijacked. That's just good practice as far as good firm culture and firm success because you know, people working happier, working more efficiently – uh, it's it's just a healthier project, um, and it's much better as, as an architect to figure out what, what you're learning on it and what you're contributing to it. And, um, you know, we, we all do this because we expect to get things out of the project. So often recognizing that this, this isn't just about serving the owner or a crazy schedule or a, a tight budget. What's the hardest part about being a project manager? Oh, um, I think it's both a blessing and a curse to be the main point of contact. So, yeah, you, you, 
you know, you, you get the, um, the rush that comes from the responsibility and, and leadership, but I mean, the, and, and the accountability, but the accountability is also very hard. So I think the hardest part is, um, to borrow another industry phrase, being the single point to choke for an owner, like anything goes wrong on a project or anybody's worried about something on a project or has a complaint or a grievance, they're coming to you. And it's difficult, um, because you have to, you have to be a therapist sometimes, or you have to quickly go through in your mind, is this actually going to be a problem or is somebody just venting or is somebody overly concerned and you have to figure out how to react to them quickly? Um, you know, do I need to put this down right away? Do I need to be firm and tell this person they're being ridiculous or, you know, toe the line with, with your fee and your schedule or do you have to acknowledge it right away? It's hard in those moments, I think, being right at the front line of whatever the crisis is. And also, if anything goes wrong, you are the person. You are the, the old phrase, don't shoot the messenger. Well, like, you're right in the line of fire because you're the one having to deliver those tough messages. And you're the one having to um, take the criticism to both get the bad news, deliver the bad news. And that can be pretty stressful. I actually started my professional career as, as, as a server uh, in, a, in a restaurant. And one of the lessons that the manager said was, if anything goes wrong, right, like an order gets messed up or somebody didn't get their fries or whatever, and they tell you about it, even if it's not your table, you accept responsibility for it right away. And I, I still think about that a lot of times as, as a project manager. Okay, you know, sorry about that. Uh, here's how we're going to atone for it. Don't assign blame. You're the one who has to inform that sense of, of confidence even when things go wrong. And so that's hard. And uh, like I said, that, that can be stressful. And sometimes because you're the one taking that responsibility that, you know, you, you are then responsible for difficult staffing changes on, on a project or other difficult changes to make. And then that can be really hard. So yeah, the hardest thing is being the single point to choke when you feel that choke. Uh, cause it will happen. No project goes perfectly. There are going to be some moments when an owner or other people just need to blow off some steam and you've got to be the punching bag and it's hard. What do you think the most fun or rewarding part of the job is? For me, at least it's, it's knowing and it's helping and it's supporting. Like if you're, when you're clued in to everything that's happening, then you get, you get to share in the success of everybody else. You get to see them deliver. You get to see them being rewarded and you get a little taste of that. So as difficult as it is to, you know, be the one that people can yell at or need to beat up a little bit, the flip side is that you're right there in the middle of celebrating the successes too. So you get to organize the parties. You get to give people shout outs. You feel like if you're doing your job well, that it's not just your success. You're, you're getting a bit of everybody else's success on the team. That's super rewarding. And it's more of like a telepath thing that, you know, you get to be more of a generalist. You get to know a little bit about everything going on on the project. So there's more of a omniscience. And I find that to be very rewarding. 
and it's just it's a different kind because I started my career doing a lot of drafting like everybody else and yeah it's rewarding to focus on uh, you know aspects of some drawings and then you see them complete at the end of the week and that feels good and rewarding the gratification of a project manager is a, is more deferred and it's more drawn out in little bits and pieces throughout the project as you see things come together teams come together um it it is it is truly truly rewarding um you know, just that, that, that broader vision and being able to share not just, you know, your own drawings and, and the success of that, but, you know, feeling like you're connected to the owner, their success when a project's doing well, as, as well as the rest of your team and, and, and the contractor. So overall, you feel more connected to a broader network and a broader purpose. What traits do you think make for a successful project manager? Uh, well, number one is organization, um, because you have to have a good system, um, for, for tracking everything and people will come to you wanting to know the status of everything. So you have to know where it is and you have to be able to tell people easily where to find it, organizing work plans and project schedule and fees and contracts. And where is it? I mean, there's a lot of document control involved. There's a lot of meeting organization involved, um, and obviously, you know, the size and scope of a project is the sliding scale with just how much of that you have to do. Like really large, complex projects, there's probably a person responsible for each one of those individually, all the way down to a small project where you're doing all of that stuff while you're doing the drawings. Um, if you're just the only one working on it, so. Um, organization is huge. It, no matter where you fall in that, if you are the project manager, you have to be organized so that your project can be organized so that you can deliver on time and on budget. Uh, I also think communication is really important. Making sure that not just you're, you're hearing the updates, but you're reading between the lines as to what people are saying, what other motives might be there. Uh, when things change, helping to understand other people's perspectives, right? So it's like communication, but also a lot of empathetic listening because a contractor and from their perspective on a project, their schedule pressure, their fee at risk, understanding those and what, how that will drive their behaviors and their work processes on a project. And, um, you know, everybody comes to the table with different goals and delivery methods impact that a lot. So, Helping everyone share their perspectives, understanding their perspectives, getting the right and appropriate messages out to the team effectively so that what needs to be known is known. That's all a part of good uh, communication. So I think organization, communication are, are just super important. And then also how that drives um, into culture. You know, ultimately, uh, the, the project manager, especially the larger the project, is not responsible for the work itself, but they are responsible for the team culture and making sure that everybody's uh, doing that. So um, I think strategy is, is, a, is a big piece of the project itself, but there's no real strategy for, for culture. Uh, and that just takes, you know, back to that empathetic listening and how are things progressing, helping you track uh, how, how people are doing, how people are feeling, um, and then providing that help and that support uh, so, so that everybody can do their best work.
What advice would you have for someone that wants to become a project manager? Oh, uh, yeah, I, I, here, I, I don't understand it just because I didn't get into this business with this as a goal. Um, I just sort of, uh, or, or I don't know. I mean, it, it, like I was one of those people, as I just mentioned, who was doing both the project architect and the project management on a smaller project. And, and it was almost like informed more by the senior architects or the master architects I was working with or, or, you know, good responses from other clients and contractors that said, boy, you're, you're, you're good at this project management stuff. And, and then it sort of fed into itself over the latter half of my career. Um, so I would say just to be open to things, um, you know, if you do have that goal to say, yeah, that's ex- if some of the things I've been talking about resonate with you and you say, yeah, that's that's what I want to do on a project. Well, lean into that. Think about it. Think, re- reflect on or like what specifically what what traits or aspects of this role, this job resonate with you and why. And uh, and, and keep thinking about that. Um, and, you know, if, if, if you think like because. I enjoy talking about this. I like being the focal point of meetings. I like, you know, being the one to, to present the work or, you know, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of reasons, right. Or you're just a driver and you're an organization freak and you want to be the one in charge. I don't know there. I've seen a whole bunch of different styles out there. So figure out what's your style to you and why. Um, and then ultimately how that can be of the best use to teams um, because you know that that's going to provide the most joint success in, in negotiating with a full design team. But irrespective of where you're coming from, I think some specific advice would be get some presentation training in one form or another. There are Toastmasters clubs. There are TED talks on the subject. Uh, learn to communicate better. And listen to yourself or watch yourself, right? Like back to design school when you had your project up on the boards and they say, all you're doing is talking at the board. You're not talking to us. You have to constantly be facing outward to your whole project team as a project manager and look to your audience for feedback. Are the messages landing? Are are people involved? There is nothing worse than going through half of a zoom meeting and you just look around at all those faces and people are just totally chucked out. You, you, you're not doing a good job. So there's like this presentation component to this that I'm very fortunate enough to, to have gotten some training. And I think that's the best advice that I can give. Uh, if, if you're with a larger firm with some good resources, seek it out, find ways, find, uh, I think I mentioned Toastmasters is really good. Um, and firms might have their own training programs. It's just super, super important. And it's enough of like an isolated thing um, that just takes practice, right? Like it's the, um, the people who train folks for TED Talks. You know, they, they work with experts and they say, clearly you're the expert in your field. You know um, more about botany or whatever than anybody else, but... Uh, how do you get on a camera in a 15 minute Ted talk and talk about it with jazz hands? So the jazz hands piece of this, that's not something you're going to learn in a firm. That's often going to take a specialist. That's going to, that's going to take study. Uh, and so seek, 
seek that out. Um, because back to, you know, communication, it's just, it's so, so important here and keeping people engaged, keeping people inspired on a project, really, really important. Um, because projects are grinds. They take a long time. You gotta, you gotta keep everybody rowing in the same direction. There's, there's a bit of a motivational component to that. So getting the right kinds of messages across, making sure that they're landing, that definitely benefits from some training. So go out and find a way to do that. That was really great. Thank you so much.